Hello, and welcome to Book Club of One. I am Jacob, a librarian, and through the course of a year I read a lot of books. Join me as I detail and share my impressions of the books that have entertained or educated me the most. Last episode of the year. I'll be back at some point to be decided in January 2022. I've met my reading goal just as I reach one of the busiest reading times of the year. If you follow Book Club of One on Goodreads, you'll see a lot of the books in progress. It's about nine books. There will be no reading soon or in progress at the end of this episode. Instead, you'll just have to tune back for the new year. Our first featured book is All of the Marvels, A Journey to the Ends of the Biggest Story Ever Told. It is by Douglas Wolk, a white American pop culture critic, teacher, and writer. He has written for the 33 and one-third series and written about music and comics for magazines, newspapers, and websites, such as Time, New York Times, Rolling Stone, The Washington Post, Entertainment Weekly, The Village Voice, Slate, and Pitchfork. He has been a National Arts Journalism Fellow at Columbia University and Fellow in the USC Annenberg Getty Arts Journalism Program. He has also received the Eisner Award for Best Comics-Related Book and the Harvey Award for Best Biographical, Historical, or Journalistic Presentation, both for 2007's Reading Comics, How Graphic Novels Work and What They Mean, soon to be on my reading list. He currently teaches at Portland State University and hosts the podcast Voice of Latveria. I heard of this book uh, probably initially through a Goodreads giveaway, but it was also able to get a copy through NetGalley. So All the Marvels is the superhero comic books that Marvel Comics has published since 1961 are, as Douglas Woke notes, the longest continuous self-contained work of fiction ever created, over half a million pages to date and still growing. The Marvel story is a gigantic mountain smack in the middle of contemporary culture. Thousands of writers and artists have contributed to it. Everyone recognizes its protagonists, Spider-Man, The Avengers, The X-Men. Eighteen of the hundred highest-grossing movies of all time are based on parts of it. Yet not even the people telling the story have read the whole thing. Nobody's supposed to. So, of course, that's what Woke did. He read all 27,000-plus comics that make up the Marvel Universe thus far, from Alpha Flight to Omega the Unknown. And then he made sense of it seen into the ever-expanding story, in its parts and as a whole, and seen through it as a prism through which to view the landscape of American culture. In Woke's hand, the mammoth Marvel narrative becomes a funhouse mirror history of the past 60 years, and from the atomic ter- night terrors of the Cold War to the technocracy and political division of the present day. A boisterous, tragicomic, magnificently filigreed epic about power and ethics set in a world transformed by wonders that coming from either Goodreads or Wolk's own personal site. So this was very much a footnote-heavy reading guide to help those who love the Marvel films but haven't really explored the comics. It's also great for those who used to read a lot of Marvel comics but have not kept up for the, a couple years. We get in-depth, non-chronological tours of hero arcs that act as highlight reels for notable stories or events that don't get bogged down in the issue-to-issue minutiae. So, for example, Wolk explores Spider-Man, X-Men, Thor, Fantastic Four, and several other heroes and events. And for each of those, he is going through 
picking some of the highlights, some of the major stories, and then talking about how in some series these often get recycled and don't maybe reach the same heights they did when the story or idea was first presented. Like Spider-Man always seems to constantly be resetting back to a single man, a single young man dealing with powers. While Woke is clearly a fan of Marvel, he is not merely fawning. He is very critical of those involved in the creation process, particularly where own voices are missing and how that has changed over Marvel's history. He also points to the very active reader community that would share their letters uh, in the backs of issues, sort of a pre-internet discussion forum, where those readers would share their criticisms and feedback. While largely focused on the comics and heroes within, Wilkes does sometimes break away from describing the comics to talk about how they reflect American society and priorities at different times. For example, in the section on Black Panther, he talks about the development of Black Panther as a character and also how its history of that character coincides with the formation of the Black Panther Party. Even though they might not necessarily be related to one another, it is uh, a, a time in history when both those things occurred. At 21 chapters in length, the first few are devoted to explaining Woke's rationale, rules, and frequently we ask questions for this project. The main chapters, again, explore those heroes and story arcs, and the last chapter is less a continuation of this narrative and instead a personal reflection by Woke of being able to connect with his family over comics. Next is the This Thing Between Us by Gus Moreno an American fiction author whose stories have appeared in Aurelius, Pseudopod, Blustered Magazine, Vitro NY, and the Burnt Tongues Anthology. This is his first book, which I believe I saw featured in Bookpage's Halloween books. The official description starts, It was Vera's idea to buy the Itza, the world's most advanced smart speaker, Dindis Tristiago, but Vera thought it would be a bit of fun for them amidst all the strange occurrences happening in their condo. It made things worse. The cold spots and scratching in the walls were weird enough, but peculiar packages started showing up the house. Who ordered industrial lie? Then there was the eerie music at odd hours. Thiago walking up to Itza projecting light shows in an empty room. It was funny and strange right up until Vera was killed and Thiago's world became unbearable. Pundits and politicians all looking to turn his wife's death into a symbol for their own agendas. A barrage of texts from her well-meaning friends about letting go and moving on. Waking to the sound of Itza talking softly to someone in the living room. The only thing left to do was get far away from Chicago. That summary from Goodreads. So this thing between us was very much what I had hoped Ghoster would be. It is largely a narrative born in grief that resides there for its brief runtime, but it also addresses culture, migration, and identity and belonging. Thiago, our narrator, had a rough childhood as an outsider to his family and not acknowledged by his father for much of his life. He presents himself as an introvert, much more interested in staying in with just his wife for company, despite her large friend and family group. And it is a frequently brought up failing of his that despite his uh, Hispanic, and Hispanic heritage, he does not speak Spanish. After the tragedy of Vera's death, much of the horror is spread over the book with a gradual creeping of dread and tension that heightens, resolves, and then increases to an unclear but fitting conclusion. 
How much of the horror was born from blood sacrifice, and how much of it is a man losing his mind to his grief? Our next book is The Storyteller, Tales of My Life and Music by Dave Grohl, a white American musician, documentary filmmaker, and author. He is best known for his work as the drummer of Nirvana and as the founder, lead singer, guitarist, and primary songwriter for the Foo Fighters. This one was a holiday gift. And the book chronicles Grohl's journey from accident-prone child to sharing rooms with presidents Paul McCartney and ACDC. So overall, those who caught Dave's true stories on Instagram will be familiar with the style of Grohl sharing story snippets from his career and would have been exposed to the humorous, honest, optimistic tone. Dave Grohl is a wonderful entertainer, and while deprecating about his success, one can clearly see the amount of hard work that was put in that, fortunately for Grohl, has paid off. He discusses his youth in a single-parent household in the suburbs outside of D.C., early love of music, relationship with his family, and his introduction to punk music. As is typical with memoirs or biographies, much of the book length is focused on Grohl becoming who he is. We learn a great deal of his youthful adventures and struggles with school, his experience in real touring bands Scream and Finding Fame. The section devoted to Nirvana seems fairly short, but also highlights just how quick that ascent to fame was. Grohl notes it was about three and a half years. A theme early in the book of making do with what one has that gives way to the poverty of a touring musician gives way to the money that success brings. When first talking about having money, Grohl talks about a few initial splurges, but that he was mostly savvy with his finances. But as a topic, this is never really referenced after that point. Particularly glaring when a later chapter is focused on a 20-plus hour flight to make it home for a family event to just turn around and fly back. Some content is also glaring from its lack of mention. As would not be surprised for anyone knows, who knows about the relationship, there is no mention of Courtney Love. There is also not a whole lot about establishing the lineup of the Foo Fighters. There is a brief mention of it and some struggles there, but overall, it is given a fairly short section. There's also a really odd palm reader section that felt out of place with many other scenes, despite the inspirations for the Foo Fighter name. And having read many books that focus on the late 90s into early 2000s and the musicians who were active in them, I find it also interesting that Grohl doesn't really talk about the changing ways music was distributed. Now, as a highly successful musician, he might have been sheltered from it to some degree, but I do find it interesting that he doesn't talk about the changing value of music, particularly when he has been outspoken at other points about musicians who make music using their computers instead of guitars. Other than those notes, I find myself regularly amused or struck by how Dave Grohl is clearly having the best life, and while he has had his issues and challenges, he is grateful for what he has been able to accomplish. Our next book is Gastro Obscura, A Food Adventurer's Guide. It is by Cecily Wong, an Asian-American writer. Her work has appeared in the Wall Street Journal, LA Review of Books, Bustle, and she also has the novel Diamond Head, published in 2015. Her next book is due out in 2022. Her co-writer, Dylan Thuris, is a white American filmmaker and author. He is also the co-founder and creative director of Atlas Obscura. The book also features additional writing by Rachel Rummel, Anne Eubank, and Sam O'Brien, as well as content from the Atlas Obscura community. 
I first became aware of this book through the Atlas Obscura email newsletter. And Gastro Obscura is an exploration of wondrous and odd food from around the world. And like their two vault now second volume Atlas Obscura, it is a wonderful book to just sit and browse, page through, look at what catches your interests and read about that particular entry, location, or attraction. It is arranged by continent. Gastro Obscura explores traditional foods, different facets of food history, and restaurants or dishes worth going out of your way for when traveling. As with Atlas Obscura, it is looking to move beyond the known highlights. It is less interested in signature dishes and more interested in what is popular in the markets. While much of the foods sound interesting and left me wanting to sample, give them a taste, or go to those locations, it does look at global cuisine and takes time to note what foods might be illegal, unhealthy, or by popularizing or merely paying for them could have environmental consequences. It's an excellent book for voracious travel, especially those of us traveling virtually these past few years. But for those interested in trying some featured foods, they have an expensive kit available, and at some of the book events, they have a vending machine that might be touring. The link for information about that will be available for you in the show notes. As this past two weeks was a bit shorter uh, in time for reading through as many books as I'd liked, as it's almost the holiday season and things are getting busy, I was able to read book number two in Richard Osman's Thursday Murder Club. In honor of that book, we are going to now listen to the review for book one from back in December 2020. And then our last book lets us bring the mood down a little. Well, we're back up, perhaps, and celebrate some humor and mystery. So the last book is The Thursday Murder Club, written by Richard Osman, a white English comedian, television producer, writer, and director. He is best known as creator and co-presenter of the BBC One show Pointless. This is his first novel. And once again, book pages to the rescue. I saw it reviewed in there, and it sounded interesting. So the Thursday Murder Club is focused on a former convent hospital that is now a retirement village. Four retirees, a therapist, a widowed nurse, a socialist organizer, and one who is very well connected, have formed a club that review and attempt to solve old, old cold cases for their own amusement, the name of the book. When a local developer and part owner of their village is found dead, they work to solve the case with or without the help of the police. So this does address all the complexities of the mystery. So we are given red herring clues at different point that resolve themselves in a way that is satisfactory, but also leaves it clear where the mystery or mysteries lie. And overall, it's not terribly violent, but it is very amusing. So we'd have the different play of generations of the olders thinking, reflecting on raising, how they raised their children and how they turned out. We have the life at the end of life with some people reflecting on what they used to be and can no longer be. And we have other people outside that group trying to make their way in and function within it and form relationships. And that's the, a wrap for this year 
125-ish books reviewed, and who knows how many we'll do next year. Hopefully, if anything, I'll be able to get back to reading from the pile and have that be the focus for this coming year. Thanks for listening, and may you and your family have a relaxing holiday season. You'll hear more from me next year. This has been another episode of Book Club of One. Thank you for listening. I welcome constructive criticism and book recommendations, or even if you found a book through this episode and want to share the story, feel free to reach out through Instagram and Gmail at Book Club of Uno. Book Club of One is recorded and distributed by Anchor.fm. And remember, no one should be shamed for reading.